Butts and Guts, a Cleveland Clinic podcast exploring your digestive and surgical health from end to end. So welcome everybody to another episode of Butts and Guts. I'm your host, Scott Steele, the chairman of colorectal surgery here at the Cleveland Clinic. And I'm very happy to have Dr. Stephanie Valenta here. Stephanie's an assistant professor of surgery at the Cleveland Clinic Learner College of Medicine and also the director of the Breast Surgical Oncology Fellowship Program. Stephanie, welcome to Butts and Guts. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So for those listeners out there, we've had your husband, Michael Valentian, who's in my department. But tell us a little bit about you, your background. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you train? How did it come to the point that you're here at the Cleveland Clinic? Sure. I grew up on the west side of Cleveland, so all my family's still in Cleveland. I trained at Akron City Hospital in general surgery. And then I did my fellowship training in breast surgical oncology at the University of Southern California. After I was done with fellowship, I did come back to join the Cleveland Clinic. So today our focus is going to be on DCS. But before we delve right into DCS, give me the 10,000-foot view about breast masses, breast disorders in women. How common is this? Is this something that every woman needs to be aware of or every woman's going to experience? Unfortunately, breast cancer... DCIS included, is very common. So one out of eight women at some point in their life will be diagnosed with breast cancer. So that's a 12% risk lifetime. The interesting thing is that about 85% of women diagnosed with breast cancer do not have a family history. It's important for women to know their family history because obviously that plays a big role. I think the important thing for women and breast cancer is the importance of getting screening mammograms and what we call breast self-awareness. So this is knowing your breast so that you're aware if there are any changes in your breast so that you can bring those to your doctor's attention. Breast lumps themselves. My wife feels a breast mass. Are there characteristics of a breast mass that are more or less concerning? Some of them are, but I would say any new breast mass is abnormal. So the most important thing is to get it checked out. So I always tell patients, don't ever feel silly coming in to check out a mass and we say, oh, it's just a cyst or it's something benign because you're going to kick yourself in the butts or guts if you realize that you've been putting off something and it actually is something abnormal. So anything that you didn't feel before needs to be checked out. Any changes in your skin color, any lump or bump that's new or different that I always tell patients is there for more than three days needs to be evaluated. And any changes in the nipple. So if a nipple is normally everted and it becomes inverted or you've noticed any discharge from the nipple, those are things that need to be evaluated. You talked about great breast health. How often should this be done? Is it a certain time of the month for those who are having their menstrual cycle, does the breast change over the course of the menstrual cycle? It does, and so that goes back to breast awareness. So usually for a woman doing a breast exam, it's just something simple in the shower in the morning. Do a breast exam, make sure they're not feeling anything abnormal. Again, just kind of noticing in relation to the menstrual period on when that is. Breasts become a lot more tender and sensitive about a week before the beginning of menstrual period, so it's always good to check after because then the hormones and stuff in the breast have really settled down. Okay, let's focus in now on DCIS. First of all, very simple, what is DCIS? So DCIS is ductal carcinoma in situ. This is a pre-breast cancer in the spectrum of breast cancers. By definition, these are atypical breast cells that are still inside the lining of the milk duct. So they have not gone outside of the milk duct into the surrounding breast tissue, and so they're not an invasive definition breast cancer. When you take a look at DCIS, is this something that you can feel, or is this something that's routinely kind of picked up on a screening mammogram? 
What are the signs and symptoms of DCIS? That's a good question. So DCIS can present in numerous different ways. The most common way for DCIS, so about 20% of all breast cancer, one in five breast cancers will be DCIS. And a majority of the time, these are what are picked up on a mammogram. And because it's the earliest signs of a breast cancer. And so I use DCIS interchangeably with breast cancer, but it's a stage zero breast cancer because it hasn't learned how to get outside the milk duct, but it's something that's going to be picked up on mammogram. And so usually it's an asymmetry in the mammogram. Most likely it's what we call calcifications in the mammogram. They say suspicious, abnormal, branching, or linear calcifications. And these changes on mammogram are something that a woman cannot feel. And so that's why it's important to get a mammogram every year. Other changes, sometimes women can feel a mass and it can be DCIS. The other way that it can present is nipple changes. So DCIS of the nipple is called Paget's disease. And so what that is, is it's a crusting of the nipple or a bloody or clear discharge that really doesn't get better with time. So lots of different terminology, especially in relation to all medical things, but specifically with the breast. Can you touch a little bit about the difference between LCIS and DCIS and then this whole hyperplasia type thing? Every day, probably, there's a new paper out about the difference of that. And that's really an area of research right now is what's the difference between atypical ductal hyperplasia, ductal carcinoma in situ, lobular carcinoma in situ. So in the spectrum on the way to an invasive cancer, the normal milk ducts regenerate and the cells grow just like our hair, skin, nails grow. And so on a microscopic level, our milk ducts are making new cells and old cells die. And a more simplified version is that the cells in the milk duct learn how to not die. So what happens is you get an overgrowth of these milk ducts and they become atypical ductal hyperplasia, which is an abnormal growth of the duct cells. And what happens is that in some patients over time, those atypical cells eventually start to change and not look like breast cells anymore, but start to change into what are precancer cells. And so that's the difference between atypical ductal hyperplasia and ductal carcinoma in situ is the number of milk ducts that appear to be involved and the size are the real criteria. So if you have 10 different pathologists look at these specimens, you might have 10 different opinions. And so usually for that diagnosis between atypical ductal hyperplasia and DCIS, surgery would be recommended to remove a bigger area so they have a better area to look at. And the pathologists always get a second opinion to make sure that they're agreeing of that diagnosis because the difference in diagnosis is a different in treatment. And then LCIS. So LCIS is a, what we consider a red flag or a marker for increased risk of breast cancer over your lifetime in either breast. A lot of times LCIS, if it's diagnosed, the recommendation is for surgery to remove it just to make sure that there's nothing else going on in the breast in that area. But once that is diagnosed, that woman has a higher risk, 20 to 40% lifetime risk of developing breast cancer in either breast. Okay, so I'm a young woman. I do a breast exam, just like you said, and I feel a breast mass. I'm going to go into my doctor. What can they expect during that doctor's visit? If you feel a lump, you get a diagnostic mammogram. So the difference between a screening mammogram and a diagnostic mammogram, a screening mammogram is nothing's wrong. You go in for your annual mammogram, and they do what's called a two-view mammogram. A diagnostic mammogram is if you feel something, then you go in to get your mammogram and you can point to that area and say, I've got pain here or I feel a mass here. And what they'll do is put a marker on your breast so that when they do the mammogram, the radiologist will focus specifically on that area. 
If there's a mass that's identified or something that's felt in addition to a mammogram, most times the radiologist will also perform an ultrasound. Let's debunk a few myths here. I know many women out there that said, I'm not getting a mammogram. I don't want that. Then you ask them, well, what is a mammogram? And they may not even know how it's done or how it's performed. What's a mammogram and how is it performed? So a mammogram is radiation. It's what's called two views. So two different views of each breast that's performed. So the breast is put in what's called compression, which is kind of two plates and they, they perform essentially an x-ray of the breast. It takes literally about five minutes to perform. It's not painful. Many patients would say different, but it really is very minimal risk to get done. And the good thing is, especially here at the Cleveland Clinic, you don't need an appointment. There are many sites where it's just a walk-in, you don't need a doctor's order, and you can get a mammogram performed that day. So after they've gotten the ultrasound and the mammogram, what are the next steps if something at all looks like it's concerning that they don't know what exactly what it is or it looks more along the lines of those calcifications you talked about before that are a little bit more concerning that they may be thinking that this is something that needs further evaluation? If there is something that's identified on imaging, whether it's mammogram or ultrasound, the next step would be for the breast radiologist to perform a biopsy. We try and get as much information as we can before somebody needs to go to surgery because the treatment for something like atypical ductal hyperplasia is different than a treatment for breast cancer as far as surgery options. And so what the radiologist will do is a minimally invasive procedure called a core needle biopsy. And they'll either do that using mammogram guidance called a stereotactic biopsy or under ultrasound guidance called an ultrasound guided biopsy. And that's where they use a needle and they actually sample a piece of that tissue that looks suspicious. So when they do that, it's going to get read and it comes back as DCIS. What then? The patient gets the diagnosis of DCIS and then they're set up to see a surgeon. And usually when they have the diagnosis of DCIS or cancer, in addition to seeing a surgeon, they're set up to see what we call our multidisciplinary consultation team. So they're scheduled to see a breast cancer surgeon, a plastic surgeon, a radiation oncologist, and a medical oncologist. And many times they're able to see them all on the same day. Does everybody have to see a surgeon? Is there something that the radiologists do? Can they take a bigger chunk of tissue or something that they don't have to undergo any further evaluation? That's another area of research, whether or not we have to excise surgically all DCIS. But just to be safe, patients need to know their options. And so the radiologist does the diagnosis and then they send the patients to the surgeon to have that discussion in greater detail. Okay. So now they're in this multidisciplinary discussion with you. Just walk me through. So what's the surgery all about? You, you mentioned radiation therapy, you even mentioned the medical oncologist, which I'm assuming chemotherapy or hormonal therapy. What are the different treatment options for a woman with DCIS? So for a woman with DCIS, the first item to discuss is surgery. So removal of this area that's identified on imaging. And so for a woman with DCIS, the options for surgery are a mastectomy, which is complete removal of the breast, or a lumpectomy, which is removal of the area that's abnormal with a normal rim of tissue around. The goal that we aim for for DCIS is a two millimeter clear margin of normal tissue. And for women who elect lumpectomy, a majority of the time that's followed by radiation therapy. Now radiation therapy helps to prevent it from coming back. Literature shows that for a woman with DCIS, if they just have surgery to remove it, their risk of it coming back into their breast in that area is about 40% in the next 20 years. Radiation drops that risk down to 14%. 
So again, our risk of getting breast cancer just because we're women is 12%. So 14 is pretty back down to normal. Does it only involve just taking out that portion of the DCS as well? Or is there anything they have to do with the armpit lymph nodes or sentinel lymph nodes? Is that all about DCS or is that cancer? What's the difference yep. there? So by definition, ductal carcinoma in site two is precancer that hasn't gotten outside of the milk ducts into the breast tissue. So if it hasn't gotten outside the milk ducts, it should not be able to spread into the lymph nodes. If we're doing a lumpectomy for DCIS, we do not have to worry about checking the lymph nodes. The upgrade rate, meaning that when we remove the whole area of tissue and the pathologist looks at it under the microscope, about 30% of the time, they might identify an area in the milk duct where the cancer has made its way out. So that would be an upgrade from ductal carcinoma in situ to invasive cancer. And if that's the case, then you do need to have a lymph node checked to make sure that cancer hasn't made its way there. If a woman has a lumpectomy, you can always go back for a second surgery in that case because the drainage pattern to the breast to identify what we call the sentinel node or the first lymph nodes that drain the breast can always be identified if they've got their breast there. Now, if we do a mastectomy for DCIS, we're removing that breast. So we're potentially removing that drainage pattern. So if by chance, when they look at the mastectomy and they say, oh, we find an invasive cancer, we really don't know how to identify those lymph nodes afterwards. So if a woman is choosing a mastectomy for DCIS, then we will perform a sentinel node biopsy during that surgery, just because we can't go back and do that after. So walk me through, what is a lumpectomy? What do you actually do? What, is it, what yeah. does that mean? And, and what can a woman expect post-operatively? Do they got to take time off of work? Is there a scar? What are the risks associated with that? Yeah, so a, a lumpectomy is just removing that portion of tissue with a normal rim of tissue around it. So if a woman has a two centimeter area of calcifications in her breast that are DCS, then the goal of surgery is to remove that area with a normal rim of tissue. Now, I always tell women, our breast is a yellow color, yellow-white, and it's not like other cancers where once you get in there, you can see and say, oh, this is cancer, this is not cancer, or DCIS. It's really under the microscope. So the woman starts in radiology, and they get this area, what we call localized. So the radiologist will numb up their skin and their breast and use either wires, which are flexible, bendable wires about the diameter of a paperclip, or small little what we call seeds, which are about a third of the size of a staple. And they'll put those in the breast and those are what we're trained to do as surgeons to go and take out that area so that we're specific for that area to remove just that area and leave the normal breast tissue behind. So once the patient's asleep and we remove that area, we'll actually send that tissue back to the radiologist so they can do an X-ray and make sure that we have exactly what they need before we close that tissue and wake the patient up. And then postoperatively, what can they expect and what are some of the potential complications associated with this type of surgery? The good thing is our breasts are on the outside of our body. So when a woman wakes up, she can eat, drink, walk around. Doesn't have really a lot of those other issues that most people have with surgery. There's a little bit of pain associated with it, but it's really not too bad. Most patients can manage their pain. And for a lumpectomy, most patients take a few days off to about a week out of work because the lumpectomy is about an hour, hour and a half surgery. They go home the same day. If a woman has a mastectomy, it could be about a two to three hour surgery, depending on if they're getting reconstruction. And they're out of work for maybe two to four weeks, so a little bit longer recovery time. After surgery, if it's just ductal carcinoma in site two, this is where the medical oncologist comes in, you know, whether or not the patient needs radiation, depending on their surgery choice. 
A patient for ductal carcinoma in situ does not need chemotherapy, but as you alluded to, they do need some type of endocrine therapy. One of the receptors or signaling pathways for ductal carcinoma in situ is whether or not this is growing in response to estrogen. So we do test the estrogen receptor on DCIS cells, and if it is present, we want it to be there. It means that this is growing in response to hormones, and we do have a way to block that to help prevent it from coming back. And so many times women will be offered what we call endocrine therapies. So this is if you're premenopausal, tamoxifen, and if you're postmenopausal, an aromatase inhibitor. And both of those are endocrine therapies. They just work on different ways depending on whether or not you still get your menstrual period. So does everybody with DCIS have to get radiation therapy or have to get chemotherapy? Usually it's recommended for women over the age of 70, looking at margins and the grade, you know, is it a slow growing DCIS? Maybe they might be able to not have to take an anti-hormone therapy like the aromatase inhibitor. Maybe they might not have to do radiation. And the good thing about breast cancer is it's very individualized. So there's not just one cookie cutter pattern for all patients. So really that's why when you meet with the team, they say, okay, this is you, this is your health status, this is your age, this is the type of DCIS that you have. And based on all of those things, Together, the patients work with the multidisciplinary team to come up with a plan that's appropriate for them. And what's the follow-up care that's generally needed for DCS? So these women get followed closely. They get a clinical breast exam and meet with their medical team every six months. They get a mammogram once a year, and they're usually on their endocrine therapy for about five years after their surgery. A couple other things. Can DCIS, if left alone, is that the natural evolution to cancer or you can have DCIS and cancer? Is it a continuous pathway? Is there something that we can do to kind of halt the progression? Does everybody have to have surgery? Or is there a pill we can just take that doesn't have any of that? Again, that's another area of research where we're looking at where we say, okay, just because you have precancer, just because you have stage zero DCIS, does everybody need surgery? And so there are actually a lot of trials that are going on right now to look at that. But I think from just an average everyday surgeon standpoint, you say, you can't look at somebody and say, you're going to progress to cancer if you don't have surgery or you're not. And so I think the safe thing is to recommend right now until we you know, have these large clinical trials that we say, we don't really know who's going to progress to cancer or who it's never going to be an issue with. And so I think the safe thing to say is that surgery relatively is safe. And so if we can, and it's easy for these patients, then we should be taking this area out until we get literature that suggests otherwise. And what about those patients that get a biopsy that it turns out to be nothing? Will that biopsy affect future screening studies such as a mammography? Is there a higher rate of having false positives? We do have what are called these risk calculators and they say, what's your risk of getting breast cancer? And some of these look at your lifetime exposure to estrogen. When did you start your menstrual period? How many kids did you have? And one of the things that looks at is how many biopsies you've had. And what that says is how many changes are we seeing on the mammogram that the radiologists are worried about that over your lifetime you've had a biopsy for. And so for a woman, you know, who's having multiple biopsies, you have to wonder, are you having some changes in your breast that eventually are going to lead to some 
atypical changes that eventually will lead you down the path to having abnormal cells that could eventually turning into cancer. So getting a biopsy by itself does not increase your risk of getting breast cancer, but we think that the more biopsies a woman has, it's just saying that the more changes we're seeing in their breast for the biopsy being recommended in the first place. So we've been talking a lot about women, but I have to ask you, can men get DCIS and can get men get breast cancer? Yes. So although it's not very common, men do have ducts. Men don't produce milk, so they don't have lobules. So men don't get lobular cancer, but men get ductal cancer. So they can get ductal carcinoma in site two and invasive ductal cancer. Men don't get screening mammograms. So really DCIS is not that common in men because they're not getting those mammograms. So majority of the time when a man feels a mass, by that time, it's already an invasive cancer. And we're going to end up here with some quick hitters, Stephanie, and so things to get to know you a little bit better. So first of all, what's your favorite sport or activity? So my favorite sport is volleyball, especially beach volleyball. And favorite meal? I'm a vegetarian. It's not salads. I would have to say it's pasta. Last book that you read? Let's go with my favorite book. I've got three kids, so reading is a little bit difficult right now, but my favorite book is Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. And what's the best thing you like living? You're a Clevelander, so what's the best thing you like about living here in Cleveland? Being close to family. I think that there's nothing better than being close to family. Okay, and so sum up DCS for the audience, some take-home points. They're listening to this podcast. What do you really want to emphasize to them? So I think the most important thing is to get your annual screening mammogram. So if you don't go, you don't know. The benefit of getting a mammogram, heaven forbid chance you do get breast cancer, one in eight chance that it's going to be caught early, where surgery a lot of times is the main thing that you need to do. Wonderful information. So to learn more about DCIS, please visit clevelandclinic.org slash breastcancer. That's clevelandclinic.org slash breast cancer. And to make an appointment with a Cleveland Clinic specialist, please call 1-866-223-8100. That's 1-866-223-8100. As Dr. Valente said, Cleveland Clinic also offers walk-in mammography screening without an appointment. Stephanie, thanks again for joining us on Butts and Guts. Thanks for having me. That wraps things up here at Cleveland Clinic. Until next time, thanks for listening to Butts and Guts.